not everyone really understands what the bio-individual philosophy is or what our channel is about. I'm going to talk about what it is. Bio-individual philosophy based on the great truths of the great men. Buddha, Nietzsche, uh, Darwin, we acknowledge that words in education are not enough and that physiology is the prime mover. Physiology is the key. Words, concepts and education just not enough. This is the path and it is fraught with danger. You'll hit certain points where it gets a little bit tenuous. And when you look up, you can be intimidating. The key is to stick to the method. When we get to the top, we see the perspective. We missed the forest for the trees. This is what you get. You get to view your reactivity. From up high, you have more free will to choose the ultimate view. And this is what we're really after. Yeah, okay. Um, tonight, um, what is the go? We're going to talk about meditation, isn't it? <clears throat> did we talk about meditation? I swear we just did. We spoke we just about did, but uh, since the, then the retreat, the retreat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we talked about your retreat, and since yeah. then you've put it all together into a, a online In course, course uh, meditation series thing on your Substack, uh, yeah, yeah. which is uh, what's the what's the domain name? Um, Islands of Transcendence dot Substack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So subscribe. People, I'll put it below. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be underneath. Um uh so yeah, which, so you put a, which is an amazing substack, I might add, just just quickly <laughs> on that point. Should be Truly insane a... not to subscribe to it. Insane. So this is this is uh got you've got um a few people have liked this and they're joining your substack and stuff to uh get access to this. So uh I think you should tell people what it's about here and uh how your kind of approach to the meditation because you're this is like a stripped down version avoiding as much of the stuff you have to believe as possible uh, and just get down to the the practice. Um, so yeah, what's what's your uh, what's the the idea behind the this this uh, meditation practice series explanation you have and uh, what kind of people are you looking for? Who do you think just will like it? Down to business. Getting down to business. Um yeah, you know, um, after after the re retreat, I I was kind of inspired by um, my Zen master who gave a couple of talks, and um, yeah, he I, re I really like he he kind of combines like the traditional elements, but he I won't give him away, but he also um, just say like. He's he's involved in um, harder um, areas of research as well, and and he um, his particular interest is physics, and yeah, I, I won't go into what he said because I don't have any fucking idea what he was talking about anyway, but but he uh, was talking about uh, you know awareness, what it is, and he was talking about it in, uh, through the frame. The physics um but you know it, it wasn't like the you know those people that have those dumb movies about like quantum mechanics and you know all that sort of you just imagine a fucking snowflake and it, it'll change into a father christmas shape or something do you remember what that was called um it was some movie so it wasn't like um pop say again pop what is it physics 
it, it was it was like some fucking dumb movie on on quantum mechanics and how like like a zen monk can change a snowflake the structure was it, was of a, it a document a documentary yeah 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 it was a documentary oh is that um, um what the bleep do we know ah uh, yeah, yeah yeah that's it that's it I, I never actually even saw it um so i don't know if it's nonsense but it seemed like it was uh but yeah he wasn't he wasn't talking in those terms just to clarify it was something different anyway um i found his explanation of things um interesting and intriguing it was good how he used modern um phrases and terms and i got like i felt like it demystified a lot of things for some of the people there at some points Whereas the, the Eastern way of talking about things can get a little bit <clears throat> flowery, you know, a little bit kind of, kind of icky, a little like, like, bleh, yuck. For me, I don't like it. I don't like it. I like, you know, it's, it's a whole thing like, oh, that sounds like it's materialism, man. And, uh, you know, people make comments like that. It's not material. It's all consciousness. And whether or not these things are true. Um, it's besides the point, because as I was saying to someone, if you go and step in front of a fucking bus, you know, that consciousness is going to fucking splatter you all over the road. So I, th I think that like physical explanations for things are still valid. They're good. Um, they help demystify things. So I got thinking um, that I should maybe demystify sitting. Um, so I stripped it uh, right down. But there's also other important elements. So even though I practice Zen Buddhism, I don't consider myself a Zen Buddhist. I don't consider myself a Buddhist, like in a religious sense. And as you know, like this, this whole project that we're in um, is about separating the utility from the dogma and putting it together again in a way that works for, for the aims of people like us. So basically, I, I decided when I got back, um, I had a bunch of thoughts uh, on the on the drive home, and I just got inspired to rephrase the practice to break down the practice to its component parts in terms of human physiology and what the physiology of it is, because it, you know that's a huge part that people don't ever talk about. Like even the Zen masters, I know they they do mention it. So obviously the posture and the breathing and, and stuff is important, but they they never really focus on it. So it's just kind of like do this, and that's it. And there's there's never really any other talk about it. And I, I can see people struggling with it, and people can struggle for years, uh, as I did. And and I just feel like that's not really the way to go. Um, and I understand in a traditional context, probably the head abbot would be beating the shit out of you with a stick if you were sitting wrong, but at least in the West, it doesn't really happen. Um, you know, unfortunately, otherwise I would be a Zen Buddhist cause I'd love to go around kicking the shit out of people. But, um, anyway, maybe with, uh, sorry, sorry. Neuro, maybe with <clears throat> Neuralink attached to Twitter, you'll be able to fuck uh, people over the head with their shitty takes on Twitter. Yeah. 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 That'd be cool deliver a um simulated violence yeah i like it it's a good idea you should get in touch with elon i like it um yeah yeah I need so to yeah anyway him, yeah. yeah 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 no do so please 
um, see if you can get some money out of him for this as well. That'd be good. Well, um, the first thing I'll ask him is to subscribe to your Substack. <laughs> yeah, get on, get get it while it's still hot. Well, um, I know he overpays, so case. maybe you could you could double the price. You just put up the fee for him <laughs> and then put about down there That's for fun. the for the plebs. Six six US dollars instead of six Australian <laughs> dirhams. I think that sounds good. See, this is the all the um, Zen big big man making you think big. <laughs> thinking big. Um, so yeah, anyway, that, that was a general idea. Um, just to to put these uh, things uh, together in a way that people can easily understand, and actually also to separate it from the tradition a little bit and to go through the reasons why that's okay, uh, how that works, um, and the general philosophy behind it. But also uh, in that in that program, uh, I broke down essentially how to do it as well. Um, so I, I provided like all the information step-by-step, step, how to get started, things to look out for, um, and pardon me, also um, I provided like a, kickstarter meditation so people can go and use that because sitting is like it sounds easy but it's not um it's actually quite complicated um it's a bit like playing golf i think i mentioned this last week it's kind of like the most frustrating fucking sport of all time that only the scottish could have come up with mind you um you know you can get all you can look at each bit in your golf swing, you can look at your posture, you can look at the way your body's moving, uh, where the club is in the relation to the ball, where you want to hit it, uh, the conditions around you, you have all these different things going on. And it's it's only very rarely, at least in my experience, that you can hit the hit the ball at all, frankly, but but hit it well, hit it properly. And all those components come together and you, you have a nice swing and uh, that, that's kind of what you want in golf. It, it's similar in mindfulness. All the components have to come together. And sitting there is a way, like it's it's easy to understand, but it's hard to do. So, so what I wanted to do is just to simplify it as much as possible, move the remove the Eastern mysticism. Uh, not that the Buddha was that mystical, at least in the, the main suttas, it's pretty straightforward. But nonetheless, I still feel like people miss it. So, so there was um, that element as well. And I also looked at the supposed paradox, which is perhaps something we can talk about, which is why it's okay to want to be, or, or to have a degree of enlightenment, which I hate that word, but how can we put it? Like a, a degree of awakening or understanding, whatever you want to call it, and, and also pursue things in the real, real world, I think. It's often treated as a duality, but in truth, it's not. So I, I wanted to do a bit of a presentation surrounding how all these things can be reconciled. So that's the gist of it. Um, so I know you, you may have seen a little bit of one video, I think. But um, yeah, there's, there's four videos in total. On the Substack. And I made a lot of spelling mistakes, as I later found out, which is pretty embarrassing because I was trying to pump it out um, quickly. Um, yeah, but you did them really quickly, didn't you? You put out videos, there was a few in a row, didn't it? It wasn't like, this isn't like yeah. a long planned out course you've done 
like it took a hundred years, no, like no. my my course took me. Uh, you just threw <laughs> no, this out while it was, you know, while it was ripe in your mind, which is the best way. Yeah. Uh, and then just yeah, uh, yeah, yeah fix so. the fix the errors later. Uh, yeah. And then you can see that because people are liking it and and um, joining it and stuff. So it's like there's something about when you have the you go with the energy for creating something, and then because it's the right time for you to create it, it somehow just also happens to be the right time for other people to to get into it, or they sense the energy in it, or something. There's some kind of thing like that, um, which is useful. Uh, but uh, if you take too long making something, which I've done many times, is uh, and then aborted it, is uh, that yeah. you just it loses all the life, and you get bored of it, so it's boring for other people, and then you just you've moved on, yeah. and you look, yeah. the moment's gone. So yeah, you're better off not saying anything, aren't you? Really, mm. and then just yeah, releasing it. Happy to do that too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I would yeah, worry about yeah, spelling mistakes. Yeah. So, but it's like, uh, so you said the fourth video is your favorite. Why? Um, well, you know, the fourth video is where we resolve <clears throat> uh, basically why, um, first of all, a physiological model is okay. Second of all why splitting sitting or zazen i guess you could call it away from the religious element uh or the traditional element not that there is much in zazen admittedly but there still is and there's still you know allusions to um how would you say various dogmas occasionally depending on the teacher and depending on other things so, so the fourth is how all this ties into a bio-individual um, perspective. And yeah, I like it because I think that, you know, it's generally applicable to what we do too, admittedly towards meditation, but it, it, it does go a little bit, a little bit more general because all these things are obviously related, <clears throat> but I, but I just state the case of, you know, what, what's wrong. So, so traditionally in a Buddhist framework, you would probably be thinking, oh, you know, it's, it's karma. You know, I, I was a fucking dickhead in a previous life. I ran over a Chinaman, therefore everything's rooted at the moment or, you know, whatever's going on. Or I was a latrine cleaner in New Delhi who looked after crippled people. And this lifetime I'm Conor McGregor, you know, whatever it is, just, just getting rid of that kind of thing, which, you know. You, you can still have that if you want, if you want, but it's not necessary for the venture. Um, and it could even get in the way as well, I argue. So for, so for getting people rid of... listening, we have we did a, an episode a while ago, I can't remember the name of it, on the kind of pros and cons of uh, taking techniques out of traditions and, you know, like uh, whether it's okay and what, how and... Um, whether they still work as good or whether they, the tradition has things that you might not understand, but they're there for a reason. So, but we, from our, our point of view is just that we're not going to go all in on any of these traditions because it's just not the way that, that we're wired. So we're picking out things that work, piecing them together for ourselves through experimenting, self-experimenting, and then sharing it. And then whatever happens, happens, uh, making things more friendly to Western kind of mindset, uh, but not this silly scientism, materialism kind of way of looking at things. Just uh, We're just calling bio-individual. So anyway, can you remember the name of that episode? I mean, about 
Oh, tradition. Tradition. Whoa, something whoa, about tradition. What is it good yeah. for? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Ooh, somebody oh, can check that. What out. is it good for? Yeah. Um, yeah. So so it's on there. Um, and you know, having said this, the science thing. Um, there there is a lot of phys physiological science. Um, although I, I don't really talk about the implications in a scientific way, but I do talk about, um, the body <clears throat> and also, um, re, how would you say, reimagine some of the Buddhist terms for different things in, in a scientific or pseudo psychological framework. And, and the reason I do that is not because I love psychology or psychoanalysis, but I think the people that watch it, what they'll find is the terms become easier to understand and comprehend. So, for example, when you use uh, dukkha or or the Buddhist word for you know, quote unquote suffering, that that has all sorts of moral connotations, rightly or wrongly, if they're meant or not. But I, I just feel like there's better ways to understand it, and we spoke about that last week as well uh, in terms of. Uh, reactivity, for example, um, what was it being being attracted to something or being averse to something, uh, and how this causes us dukkha or suffering. So I think with the reimagining using using modern Western language and terms, these things become a lot easier to comprehend and a little yeah, less because... autistically moral. Just on that point, because they don't yeah. need to be moral; they're not pointing to something moral necessarily. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you go. It's other. It's, yeah, the moral thing is because they're otherworldly. When you hear the fancy word, the exotic word, and everyone yeah. gets excited, and then they they're not they're, they're not realizing, especially <laughs> when like it's like Buddha's like a very practical sounding, you know, his main stuff, um, <clears throat> down to earth kind of person sounds like. Uh, not an expert, but um, it's. Uh, People get uh, entranced by the fancy words and they think they're otherworldly and then they're struggling to un like understand what it means in their own practice or whatever. But you, if you, they're just concepts to describe things that were actually real in the practice for them. So like if it's, t if by using the old words, you are being taken away from the practice, then you're missing the point. You know, you, so it is better to change the, change the words into something more real. That the person will understand what yeah. it is you're using so you can actually use the concepts because they're just concepts they're not like some like uh, mystical powers of each of these words you know they're just a concept uh and there is an art obviously to mapping one their concept to our concepts that match correctly because they'll, they'll never match exactly it's different cultures but you can get close enough that will work for us this is the point it doesn't matter whether it's like uh transcendentally true or not and it's the right word it's just if it works it works it's fine um and a lot of those words don't work because the person gets as i say like entranced by the exotic word although for a lot of people who get into the stuff that's what they're into that's what they're really for they want the titillation of the feeling like they're doing something exotic and uh, it's all about you know lovely fuzzy feelings and blah 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 and being wear different clothes and be special one and all that stuff uh, but obviously that's not what we're doing. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, ex exactly. And, you know, um, I, I think no one would disagree that the Buddha was a pragmatist and 
I think that's commonly accepted that <clears throat> he gives all sorts of different explanations to different people, depending on what they need, which, you know, which is probably in the literature where a lot of the confusion comes from with these things. Um, and yeah, as you I say, all, when you, when I find having... all people who know something are like that, you know, they, they speak of things at different yeah. levels, the, the, at the higher end of the, the, these type of practices, they tend to speak into yeah. different levels for different people. And, uh, some things make sense at different stages, you know, some things are, they, they would be for a beginner or a normal person, it would be completely bad advice, but for a person who's quote initiated into that tradition, it's makes sense. And it has a symbolic meaning, multiple meanings probably. Uh, and then idiots come along later and try and put, tell everybody that they should be doing this thing. Yeah. This parable is like a, not advice for normies when actually this was a parable was advice for initiates and the uh, mystics basically. You know, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, this is old traditions. You know, it's not when Buddhism. So, yeah, and I think they, I think people have a habits. Clearly, I think they do. After you have someone like this, <clears throat> whether it's um, the Buddha or Jesus or you know whoever else, that they they tend to then blow him up into these spectacular, mystical. He's thirty feet tall and the literal son of god and you know all these different reifications i guess of the individual and i think that really gets in the way as well because when you start getting supernatural it, it just seems to me that the the lesser people that come after always do that and it, you know it was interesting you're talking about your theory the other day about um you know it was uh, why, why do these religions catch on uh, at the time that they do, why do these characters catch on? And I think you were saying <clears throat> that when when the civilization is ready for it, then they'll grab someone like this and then turn it into a religion. Yeah, I mean, my so basic I, idea. I can I, see I, how it happens. Yeah, my assumption is that there's lots of guys that are like these lead these guys with the techniques that work and have a little band of followers or whatever. But there's loads of them, and there's some around now. Uh, but there just it depends on the circumstances around them whether things will take off and become like a big thing or whether it just dies off. It's a local phenomenon, and uh, uh, you know the guys forgotten. Uh, we just see the winners who survive. You know, survival bias is basically what it is. I think that applies to to religious um, or um, mystical, really mystical practices we're talking about. And then a religion grows on top of those one guy set of mystical practices. It could have been another guy. You know, it's like there's no. It's just that the the world around them, the civilization, the culture that it needs to be at a certain point for these things to to catch on. Otherwise, it's just a you know a, a weird guy in the forest with a few people going to visit him now and again, and you never hear about him. Yeah, 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 ex exactly. Um, and and I, I don't think the realizations are different between all these people. In fact, I, I wrote um, a piece, a piece, it sounds like I'm a good writer, which I'm not particularly. <laughs> I wrote a, a screed <laughs> on um, on Jesus and uh, the, the tree of life and the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, um, <clears throat> which until recently, I actually didn't know there was even two trees. I had no idea there were two trees in the Garden of Eden. And, and of course, uh, God tells them, um, don't eat from the tree of knowledge of, here's, here's the crux, of good and evil, 
of the duality. And of course, um, Eve being female can't help herself and she goes and does it. Um, and then all of a sudden they're aware of their nakedness. And I believe there's a passage in the Bible that says now surely you will die or if you eat from that tree, meaning that all of a sudden there's a dualistic notion of life and death as well. Um, whereas uh, they were free to eat from the tree, tree of life. There was no problem. And, and Christian literature is replete with references to uh, people metaphorically eating from the tree of life. And they all share uh, the same kind of uh, imagery and description. So I think that in every tradition, there's this reference to some experience that human beings uh, can have. Um, and I like the Buddha because he most autistically spelt it out. Like if you read his, his words, they're, they're very, very scientific, very scientific, very pragmatic. Whereas I think other traditions get a little bit corrupted and err on the side of people missing the points a little bit. But nevertheless, I think that whatever these guys are getting at, it's all a similar thing. Um, obviously, because humans have the same apparatus, it makes sense that that would be what's happening. There's not like going to be a different realization. Um, it's ridiculous. So, so uh, anyway, um, yeah, I agree. I agree that um, something, yeah, at that time, there must be some formant and that guy just happens to be around and too bad you get nailed to a tree in the case of Jesus or everyone loves you like the Buddha. Um, so yeah, anyway, um, uh, I, the idea of this, the, the last presentation uh, was basically meditation without, um, without dogma, meditation without meaning, uh, specifically. And this kind of forms part, I guess, of a, a triangle we've been talking about, which is, I guess, what would you call that bio individual triangle. And and on each vertex, uh, vertex of the triangle, um, there is a different practice. And I think that we see these practices as mutually reinforcing. And I, I believe, and I don't think we've really formally got to the bottom of this yet, but I, but I believe meditation itself forms a critical part enough to not warrant the most important place but at least uh, an important place um and we can get into that a little bit later about for example how some people uh in in psychology uh, particularly cognitive behavioral therapists for example are now using meditation uh, but in the presentation itself i said there was meditation without meaning and I stated some goals that I think are different from the goals of the tradition. So the, the goals of the tradition are stated as uh, liberation from suffering, obviously, right? That's what, what it's all about, Buddhism. And uh, you do that by coming, becoming uh, wise to the reality of what's going on. But I... I like, I know what they mean by that. I get it. But I'm just not sure I agree with that. I, I'm not sure it's complete. I think there can be other bits to it as well. 
So, so if you don't mind, I'll just go through some of the goals that I, I came up with in that presentation. Um, so so I, I thought that probably what a bio-individual is really thinking about is uh, self-mastery. So the ultimate goal here is self-mastery, mastery of the self. Yeah, I think what you're seeing there, I think, I think that's, uh, that isn't the cultural part of it. Like they, they, that culture and time then and those people, they focused on the suffering part because, they, you know, there was like the Indian culture, life is a dream, escape from the dream. And, you know, like uh, that point in time, that's where they focused on the, the suffering part. And then whereas now we're not that kind of culture. So we're more interested in action and will and uh, doing things and overcoming ourselves and things and, you know, um, striving for things. So we're, we're going to be more attracted to those aspects of this, of the, of um, some of the Buddha's practices because they're, yeah. Yeah. they give a two, they give tools for that. So we're just tools for, you know, means to an end for us, because that's just yeah. the way we're wired. Um, Whereas, you know, another group of people focused on the other aspect, which is escape the dream, escape the suffering. And I, we were talking in the last one that suffering is not even the best uh, translation for it. It's more of like unsatisfactoriness. You know, you don't, yeah. Yeah. things happening that you don't want to happen and things that you do want to happen not happening or stopping. Um, so, yeah, it, it says a lot about people and our culture and the time, which things they focus on when you have like a real teacher with real techniques. Uh, techniques of you know transcendence or however you want to describe it um when they come along you'll they can get to the heart of it but the people around them will use and take what is more what they like it doesn't necessarily mean they'll 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 run with the most important parts um so anyway so like that's one of the things we're doing is just taking things from places and reintegrating them and uh, absorbing them into our way of looking at things and then uh, making them more usable and, and workable for us. Anyway, sorry, yeah. cut you off yeah. again. No, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, and, and, and also I, I would say this, this ties into the practice itself. Uh, yeah, we can talk about that a little bit later, about the duality, right? So, so there is a duality inherent in these, uh, in these uh, religions or, or paths, and that 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 is the duality that rejection of life, good, life, suffering, bad, and in a way, from a practical standpoint, that's really just another duality that you kind of have to fucking forget about. But uh, we we can talk about that a little bit later. The second thing I was talking about is. The, the physiological discipline of sitting. Now, the, for me, this is almost the main element, the most important part, and everything else is kind of downstream of this. Uh, sitting is like freaking difficult. We were talking about it before in, in terms of the golf swing. Uh, it's painful. It can be very difficult. <clears throat> it can be uh, all, all of the things you know, that you don't want to do. Um, it's, it's just not fun going on extended retreat is not fun. It's not a fun experience in a way that I wouldn't describe it as fun. So the Buddha himself has, has a really good uh, quote where he, he talks about making the crooked straight. 
Um, and he describes that as the hardest uh, part of, of the process, is making the crooked straight. And uh, he talks about that in terms of uh, the physiology. So he's saying the hardest part is you, you're all crooked and fucked up. And what you're going to have to do before you do anything else, or worry about anything else, is to make yourself straight. Um, if there's any gay people out there, don't get me wrong here. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you, you know your spine and your body and all the various other physiological elements. So sitting is excellent for that. It is, in a way, I would even describe it as a form of body work. I, I know we've spoken about uh, Reiki and therapy before. And I've had many of the same things happen to me while sitting because something about sitting still with your spine straight and having your spine support the rest of your body that does something to your tissues. And you get many of the same, <clears throat> many of the same effects uh, as you do in a less organized, concerted way, but things still happen. Uh, the, the third one and the controversial one and I'd like your thoughts on this um, because I did do this in a rush. And these were things that just, I, you know, I thought about because I'd spoken to other people about them and I just, I, th I think it works. But, but that is the acquisition of personal power. And I actually got this from uh, a guy I studied with who I won't name because I'm not sure if he wants me to. What do you think about that? The acquisition of personal power. Now, this is diametrically opposed to, to Buddhism, at least, at least in the way it's stated. I think that yeah, probably a lot yeah. of it comes down to what power is and what you define it as, which yeah. is different to everyone and a process everyone has to go through. But what do you, what do you think of that? Well, some, it yeah, it would be controversial for some, many people because their, their um, idea of spiritual practices and traditions in general is you are to surrender to the whole you are to become part of the whole and the bigger thing and you to be absorbed in the greater bigger thing and not be so egocentric and controlling your and uh worried about yourself so that's how like most people are see, seeing these things probably and you know in all the traditions they have uh that would be the main thing and then there's always some kind of side sects that are people that are chasing power they're doing it for power to overcome themselves um you know like the some of the tantric ones in the uh, in the in the east and the different some spiritual teachers in the west are like that as well um <clears throat> if it depends what you mean by power if by power you mean uh not being a slave to your own reactions you know you're able to do you're able to do the things you want to do you're able to make things happen if that's what you mean by power then it's for definite this is good for that because you're no longer uh being acted upon as much you're able to you're able to be the one acting on things rather than things being done to which is mostly what happens to you you have a sensation you have a feeling you have a thought it's just like Boom, boom, boom. You have no power of it at all. You're, even your sense of yourself is just these things that are just happening. But once you start doing work like this, then you break that apart a bit and you overcome it. You, you're not just at the mercy that obviously these things are happening all the time anyway, but you have other options. And me, power would be having options. Um, part of that is 
having the options of getting other people to do things you want to do. So that's like kind of what many people see as the negative side of power. You're able to make people do things or encourage things to happen. Um, so really, it's just whether you want to be use these practices to be more passive or more active. And I think the Eastern approach is to be more passive, and there's many, many reasons for that. And the Western approach, and, and part of the problem with Westerners trying to uh, integrate these many of these practices into the West is because they have this kind of passive mentality, but people are more active-minded in the West and want to use things and, and uh, get more power and uh, uh, accomplish things rather than just surrendering into the whole. Obviously, there's people doing that too. There's many mystics that do that. Um, not that the two things are contradictory because when you have the transcendent experiences where you become part of a greater whole that gives you the person the individual more power too so it's not like it's not like they're opposites not really That's true. It's it, it is as you say. It's how you uh, project it into the world, and and I suppose you could you could project it in a like oh look at me I'm a saint and all this sort of stuff, or you could go and be a banker if you really love finance and it could help you as well. One of one of those things would be seen as bad from from a moralist who who does this work because they'd say well. You know, uh, in this book here or this rule it says that you shouldn't deal with money, um, you know, or or other things where you know being a bank is just morally reprehensible, or you know, you, you can see what these people would would say about it. What, yeah, what but it might people think is, a guy is, in is, a cave meditating, hiding from hiding from society, who's just in a cave meditating all day. People think that's being holy. Many people think that's like holy behavior or moral behavior it isn't you know it's like if you have these powers over yourself you should be doing something with them 
Um, yeah. yeah. You know, like if you want to be being moralistic about it, I mean, obviously up to the person, but there's, there's again, it's the passive active thing. And I think this is like one of the clashes between Western Faustian civilization and uh, the other places because uh, they don't necessarily have it like that. They don't, they're, they're, they don't have this itch, this drive to just go out and start doing things and having power over nature and doing things and um, try, uh, including themselves, mastering themselves as well as nature. Uh, you know, like it's, it's just another, like for Westerners, it's just another frontier. It's like the inner frontier. You're just having to go in and overcome all these reactions and sensations and feelings and uh, get more power over them too in the same way as people, you know, same as a, you know, I don't know, Viking jumping on his boat and you know, going to go and grab all the stuff and do his thing in the in the next uh, piece of land they come across. You know, um, it's similar to that. It's just like we're just kind of a, uh, it's it's self mastery. It's 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 power. I mean, that's always been my interest in these things. Has always been more like that, although um, not in a dominate in the world kind of way. But it's always been overcome myself in the sense of have more power over myself, in the sense of be less a victim of not really yourself, it's just the kind of circumstances, your genetics, your, uh, your upbringing, your habits, you know, just whatever, just accidents, just whatever happened, happened. Um, so you can accept that and go live in a cave or you can um, do something different. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I've exactly. mentioned the cave every single episode now. I'm going to keep this going. <laughs> yeah. And also yeah. the wee guy, yeah, well, also the guy yeah. in the side of the his pants. Forget about yeah, him. yeah, I was, I was... <laughs> the, the beards, and he's been fed sometimes because yeah. he's still blissed out. Uh, you know, these things are you know have a certain attraction, but like yeah. to think they're model, you know, like the you know a guy holding his hand up for twenty years, you know, and his hands withered away. But you know, okay, cool, that's quite strong willpower to keep your hand up. But it's like, I was like, at what point are you going to are 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 these things like a good use of your your mind, your a good use of your mental mm. strength. Mm -hmm. They're they're not. Yeah. yeah. But for me to even no, say that that's an issue is a very like kind of Western um, uh, bias thing to say because a lot of these people don't. A lot of people in different cultures and different times they they, they don't think you need to do anything with these things. It's just a case of seeing things clearly and that's it. You know they don't they don't. Um, it's not an issue. I'm the. It's me that's making an issue here. It's like uh, it's people like us who make it makes it an issue because it's just the way that we're wired. Fate. Yeah, and, and you know, um, I I quite enjoy life as well. I think, yeah, I don't I don't see it as this horrible horrible thing uh, necessarily. Um, you know, it has bad features, <laughs> but you you can understand if you live in a an Indian village, um, why maybe you'd have a different view possibly but anyway uh yeah so so the other thing uh which is related is uh, self-definition and the pursuit of self-definition de which which is an important one which again someone taught me about um i hope to have him on the show at some point actually but again i think that self-definition comes down to being reactive uh and if you're reactive then you're not defining yourself if you're being driven by uh, beliefs. Uh, we were talking last week about these metaphysical beliefs that we have about ourselves that that are underneath, or or or, or, or yeah, uh, calling the shots from behind the scenes, and that we're 
not really aware of what we believe and we tend to do things uh, compulsively as a result. So that, that wouldn't be an example of being self-defined, but with uh, enough personal insight that you can uh, get from meditation and then you then have the opportunity to define yourself on your own terms, uh, which is uh, directly related to the acquisition of personal power and the ultimate goal of self-mastery. Self-definition is very important because if you do not uh, define yourself, then you're going to be defined by really everyone else and everything around you. So I thought that was an important one. And it, again, it's run, runs, uh, not technically it doesn't run counter to traditional Buddhism, but you know, they don't really talk about it in these terms, but it's, you know, it, it is similar in some ways, but, but it is different because yeah, self-definition is something that, um, that again is tied up with pursue, pursuing things in the real world. As, as you're talking about, that your average Westerner would want to do. I mean, some of this, these uh, practices are dangerous yeah. from the point of view of somebody who's looking for a socially co cohesive uh, influences. You know, they're like, if you go off and do this, you really can not uh, fit in <laughs> with the way people are doing things around you. Uh, so, I mean, you can see why a practice comes up that makes it, I mean, think what, like what Buddha is saying in some of the stuff is that you, you're to look at the different, uh, things in your experience, you know, one by one as they appear and, and disappear and, and think that does not belong to me. There is this, that does not belong to me. Um, that's very dangerous. If you're like at that level of everything you're saying, you're overcoming your attachment to everything like that you're not going to be so easily swayed and controlled by the people who run the society around you. So there's, there's reasons why things could get attached, other practices and, um, uh, and rules could get attached by the, you know, the structures that come after these guys, you know, the, the religious structures that come after them, uh, that are, that are about keeping people in check so they don't go off and become like, you know, extreme individualists, um, or, really shake things up a bit, uh, in the local place. And, uh, uh, so yeah, so there's, I don't know how many of the people survived who, who actively use this stuff for just pure power and, and, uh, not didn't try to fit in and help the whatever structures around them that they didn't like, or just had no interest in, uh, a lot of them maybe just didn't survive so you don't hear about them you just hear about the the big the social uh it's like it becomes a, a social movement and you just call it religion yeah 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 you, there's some examples i know in india did you ever read that book by i think it's a guy called robert uh svoboda it's like a, a Ayurvedic doctor. And he did a um, book about his a mentor who was a sadhu. I think his name was Vimala, Vimalananda. Vimalananda. It was called, the book was called um, Agora on the Left Hand of God. And uh, th those guys, 
you know, the dudes on the Ganges that do all the rituals with skulls and they drink whiskey and smoke ganja. And you, you see them like they they hang out at the charnel grounds or the the place where they they cremate people. And they they're meant to embody uh, Shiva um, or the destructive aspect of Shiva. I think it is. And and it was funny because once he'd done his sadhu years, uh, if this book is true, and I, I suspect it probably is, um, this guy loved horse racing and like would have a little bit of whiskey at night and just lived in the community normally. Um, so yeah, he in the in those books he didn't appear to reject life, like to go and as you say, throw on a pair of underpants and live on the side of the road. Although he did do that for a long time. Uh, training yeah well those guys they're yeah, doing yeah. the opposite <laughs> they're breaking all the t t the taboos, taboos. And they're doing the opposite yeah, of the the local rules uh but that's a way to overcome themselves and so that's a, a method of self-mastery they're not doing it they're not yeah. doing that for his own sake they're overcoming their own reactions and habits and uh sense of self by doing things that are so against the rule that, that they're doing things that have become part of what they think of as themselves wrongly uh, so they're using by doing them, they're breaking apart those things. It's like an extreme technique. You don't need to do it like that. But you can be a perfectly well-behaved person and, and do this kind of stuff in a different way. That's just one technique that's for some people is more suited to. Um, and uh, that's just what breaks them apart and puts them together again. And if that guy just like he just became normal at the end of it, it shows that you don't need to like turn. You know, it's not turning people into crazed mass murderers. Although no. Well, I mean, I suppose techni uh, technically, it could, <laughs> technically it could, but it's highly unlikely. They're not, they're not likely to, but um, I don't think it's automatically only good the way some people would yeah. assume. Yeah, if if you um, read the book, I I think that yeah, he strikes me as a like a pretty big individual. That guy, he strikes me that way. That's how it reads in the book, but. Yeah, I, I recommend people read that. It's pretty interesting. So yeah, um, maybe this kind of ties into the, the next thing. So so having it all with no moralistic demarcation. Um, so yeah, we, we've spoken about like maybe paradoxes between the spiritual and the material and all these different things, power and renunciation. Uh, but But I don't think, yeah, they're just dualities, so they don't exist, to be blunt. And I think that you, you know, unlike uh, modern women, you can have it all, uh, probably. So you can have uh, a good career that you like, you can pursue things in the world, you can have good relationships, you can have a wife, you can have kids, you can do all these things. And, and you can also um, have, you know, I hate this fucking word, <laughs> enlightenment, you can also have awakening, you can have all these things you don't need to just go like okay well i'm just going to have enlightenment therefore i'm not going to have anything else all the other way around either or that you're going to be the next napoleon and therefore you don't want to have the other thing i think that all these things can be have can be had in my experience uh so i just wanted to make that clear that that is a big difference uh with with what i was uh putting forward um, and yeah, it ties into what you're saying as well. I think. I think the demarcation or the uh, what would you call it the 
the split between these dualities is usually largely moralistic and is therefore in our brains in the in the form of thoughts and words but it's it's not actually there they're just sounds that we make
and usually are not connected to anything tangible, as you would say. The words are not connected to anything tangible. Uh, so yeah, I, I argue that very strongly, that you can, I, I mean, you've only got so much time on the planet as well. So it's not like you're going to be able to, okay, I'm going to become perfectly enlightened, then I'm going to be, you know, a billionaire, I'm going to be all these different things. Obviously, you're going to have to choose which one you want to have more of, I suppose, because you've only got so much time. But it's possible to have degrees of these things um, and enjoy them all. I don't care what anyone says. I think that's absolutely possible. I know it's possible. The other thing, uh, I guess this, this is kind of a, a bit of a repeat, living authentically, uh, willfully, not being lived. So this is a Dr. Hyatism. Living, not being lived, which obviously we're talking about reactivity and all these various other things. If, if you don't master your reactivity to some degree, then you're being lived by your biology and you're not living. You're not willfully uh, living. Um, and finally, this is probably one is a little bit out there, a little bit different. Uh, the chance of a new culture, uh, the, the Nietzschean term, man as a bridge, man as a bridge to something greater. So, so all these things are individual things. And that makes sense because it's called the bio-individual uh, channel. And this is meditation without meaning. Um, but I, I like to have a little bit of this, a little bit of like, oh, yeah, maybe something could come out of this. You know, if a group of practitioner, practitioners go and do their own thing, set off a chain of cause and effect, and who knows uh, what could happen. But all these, all these techniques and particularly mindfulness, all these things that we've been talking about tie in directly uh, with the ability of man to literally uh, exercise or, or to overcome himself, at, at, least as, at least as much as that is possible to do um, without some sort of genetic intervention or something. Um, so what do you think about that? Do you even care about this? Is it just something I, I care about? Do you have any, any, I, I know you mentioned you were pretty black pilled. Um, uh, no, I wouldn't I use that word at all. No, no, no. I wouldn't, don't think I'm black pilled at all. I think I'm a, I think I'm a strong pessimist. Um, it's not like strong. a weak thing. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm nice. getting this from Spengler, strong pessimism. Um, but, strong no, but that, pessimist. That is my, uh, that basically is my view. My, my viewpoint is, uh, <laughs> you can change things are worth doing if you're wanting to uh, by changing the culture depends what you mean if you think if you're talking uh, change everything and save everyone which a lot of people are uh, is one thing and if, you, if you're meaning encourage inspire and give techniques to individuals and groups of people to do good things then that's another thing. So obviously I agree with the latter, that culture is important, changing the culture is important like that. Uh, at this stage in our decrepit civilization, um, I don't think it can be fixed by any of these things, no. Uh, I don't think in the same way as like a person just gets older and they get weaker and they get slower, and they, they start, their mind starts to deteriorate. You just can't do anything about it. Uh, you can slow these things down. You can do things to make it less bad, obviously. Uh, but you can't save it. You know, but lots of people think they can't do. They're going to be immortal. I don't. don't so, so just to clarify, you're, you're, 
you're Spengler pilled, aren't you? So you're you're coming. No, I was always. A, um, this is Kevin pilled. I was always like sick, this. Kevin pilled. Yeah. So, yeah, so from a this. cyclical point of view, so you're looking at things like is. Uh, I wasn't looking things cyclical somewhere. It wasn't yeah. cyclical for me before. It was just it's always been. I just thought, well, just the general take is uh, most things don't work out. People are kidding themselves on all the time. Um, which is fine, you know, it helps you live having these big aspirations and big goals, but I mean, doesn't mean they're true or realistic or doable. Um, and, uh, some things just need to break, fall apart and something else grows later. You know, it's not that big a deal. It's like, you know, a field of flowers and they grow, they die, more grow, they die. It's not a big deal. Um, it's only a big deal if you're want to keep the one flower forever um or this flower is dying um, let's make a new flower um yeah. so you know i just don't think things work like that and uh what's your question i was just going to say do you do you think what do you okay put it this way what do you what do you think of nietzsche's concept do you agree with that do you think he's naive which one uh about uh, the overman and and uh mankind as a bridge to something higher what do, what do you think about uh, that and this isn't a trick question i'm genuinely interested yeah yeah um yeah. yes as a bridge to other forms appearing after but they may or may not be higher uh it may be they may be mineral based you know computers uh you know i don't know but um i just i've always taken his thing to just be a metaphor for uh people aren't really human they're just machines and and you know automatically and you can come you can overcome that and kind of uh do things do new things that you've chosen to do yourself if you work on yourself i don't know is that literally what he's saying but i just treat it like a metaphor like that um but he i mean his point of view him you know he's like a he's a religious guy whether he people think he's nor think he is or isn't he is uh and this is just his version this is um self-overcoming of his own uh christian beliefs yeah yeah um, you know he's just trans um, he's just transformed that. i'm not that's not like a big put down or any of that i'm just i think that's just what that is and that's all you can do really is is work with what you have uh mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, I know it's more common for younger guys to be kind of idealistic and think that they're going to change everything, make everything better. You know, it's like, uh, there, there's like good versions of that. And then there's the pathetic, you know, there's the pathetic versions like, you know, the people can't clean, you know, the, the classic, you can't clean your room. How are you going to clean up the world kind of thing? But there's also people mm -hmm. who really are working on things and stuff. But I think it's, a waste of energy to think you're going to transform transform the whole lot and make the whole culture or whatever better in whatever method you think and whatever side of politics you're on or any of that stuff. I just don't think that's how it works. You can't just change everything like that. It doesn't work. Um, but uh, you definitely can't do things and create things that inspire, help, and uh, teach and give tools to people, individuals, and uh, groups of people uh, that that have a disproportionate effect on the way things go. Does that make sense? So mm. it's kind of more, mm. a kind of mm. a more kind of 
so I mean that to me is just the way it is. I don't think that's really pessimistic or optimistic. It's just what it is. I think uh, half of the optimistic stuff is just the you know the techno utopian stuff is just mostly just delusion and unacknowledged. Uh, it's just like secular Christian beliefs, you know. About uh, they've just taken all the same structures from from apocalyptic Christianity and added it into techno stuff. Uh, without realizing it, they're not well read enough, intelligent enough to realize that this is what they're doing. Um, and then I think there's another bunch of people who aren't into that stuff. Think you can just recreate some past thing, uh, some perfect past thing, which is just as deluded as those guys. But yeah, yeah. but um, it seems less deluded. Uh, so I mean, again, that's a very modern thing to think you could just change everything and create things the way they were the old way is an extremely modern thing not a traditional thing mm. no traditional person that, that's just not traditional it's not how, just and it just isn't from a practical point of view it just isn't how it works um but so when it comes to like giant medieval fair that you've created but whatever your just, version of it yeah is. but it's just <laughs> like in, in terms of pessimism it's just yeah, like uh yeah most big schemes don't work out everyone has a big scheme they're going to do one thing it doesn't work out you like yeah. it's it's just the way it is it's not like pessimistic um Sometimes something cool happens as a side effect that's more interesting. So it's worth doing things. I'm not like a, mm-hmm. I'm, not a I'm not a quietist or a, I'm not like a, a really aren't black pill. I'm really not like a pessimistic in that sense at all. I'm like very optimistic about my own things and uh, certain things. But it's not like it for me. It just doesn't need wrapped up in a in a world improving, world saving thing. I just don't have that anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I've had um, moments of that in my life, but in general, in general, uh, no. Yeah, yeah. So, so can I, can I, like, so, so I agree with you. I, I, so as, as everyone knows, I'm a huge misanthrope, and I think that pr- probably, you know, it, it, it's interesting to think about, um, you know, to have something that's elite. I, I think that you just need the opposite. You need ordinary. Um, so I don't think that's ever going to go away. Well, until we get wiped out, something else happens. But but I also could I sell it to you this way? Something a little bit different. Not that I'm trying to sell you. I mean, don't give a shit if you believe it or not. Um, <laughs> really. Uh, uh, but but it's, it's this idea that. So so where did these um, technologies come from? Um, why did they develop? What what is the point of them? Uh, so, for example, we were talking about uh, recently how the, the human brain is is not particularly well put together, and it creates a big. Um, well, it's it's adapted for a primitive environment, but in a normal environment, there's a big gap between the planning ability of the executive functions and the ability of the lower centers to support that planning ability. Um, and all of a sudden, uh, in probably you know it's probably quite old i would imagine um you get these techniques that just pop up so people all of a sudden invent re- uh, religions and uh these probably what i term as technologies quite frankly it's the way i like looking at it uh buddhism is one example you have yogas you have all sorts of things that people started doing uh and then these things get codified and bound up or time time bound i guess as Korzybski would would say then they get passed on to different generations they get built on 
and then we we get to the modern age and then we have tools and then we have a look at, at what these things are doing and for example uh you know we know even in my my own thing uh how zen monks breathe into the abdomen and they breathe slowly well i can measure what that does and it has a like a measurable effect on the way blood's pushed around the body, uh, metabolism, uh, how the nervous system is balanced, um, uh, how much blood is getting to the brain, um, brain waves, which is an article that I'm working on at the moment because I've done a bunch of research on myself. And, and all of a sudden, these technologies, well, okay, we're causing uh, measurable changes in the, uh, in the organism. And the same thing I would imagine goes for yoga and uh, posture as, as your course. I've just been working through uh, another video of yours. So you talk about the, the structure of the posture and the uh, thoracic cavity, uh, which is directly tied to breathing and all these various other things and how much blood gets pushed around and how, how effectively someone can manage their nervous system in time and space, which is connected to reactivity. So, so all these systems have been developed and they've been disseminated. And I would imagine that for all everyone whinges about modernity and how fucking terrible it is, which in many ways it is, uh, but not for the reasons people think, not for moral reasons. It's messed up because we're messed up. We're, we're a being who is uh, badly put, to, well, not badly put together, but the way we're put together is not appropriate for how complex our informational environment is. Like we can't handle it, which is why you get all these aberrant, bizarre outcomes all the time. The, the strange thing is this, the, these technologies, uh, these practices have an impact of augmenting the physiological structure or uh, arranging it in such a way that it can better handle all the things that are going on in the environment. So it just got me thinking down this path is, well, okay, if, if everything is just this, like we're all toy soldiers, we're just in a mechanistic, we, we just, you know, we're in a Dar Darwinian model, how we're just uh, reproducing and fucking dying and it just goes on forever. I mean, why, why would this stuff even come up? Why is it developed in the way that it has? What's the point of it? If, if it wasn't evolutionary, evolutionarily, adaptive why is it here what's the point of it um so so i think that these things will have a bigger part to play in the future than perhaps what people today think and i think they already are i mean if you look at some of these meditation apps they're fucking huge they have millions and millions of subscribers whereas before um you know you you had the border and his sangha so at most you would have a what, like a couple of hundred in a monastery or something. But now you've got everyday uh, people like us. And, and admittedly, um, you know, sure, they'll just be doing 10 minutes of mindfulness or whatever, and probably not looking at it too deeply. But nevertheless, the technology itself has conferred some benefit onto these people. And I, I can see from uh you know a physiological and neurophysiological point of view that if it, these things are making or augmenting it's a wrong word isn't it but if they're facilitating a bigger or a greater range of adaptive behaviors in more people over time 
then I could see them proliferating even further. And you could imagine over uh, many, many generations of this kind of thing happening, you know, perhaps, perhaps man does get to the point where, you know, he's, he's able to exercise control over his physiology uh, in much more effective ways um, and, and manages to overcome many of the things that ail him. Um, and I, I firmly believe, you know, when I see everything on Twitter and everything on the news and everyone's all fucked up and, you know, I, I was saying before, I, I, I'm getting not blackpilled or anything, but it's more that I'm just seeing everyone as, as dysfunctional robots in a way. And, and I, know, I know the cognitive and neurophysiological reasons why that's the case. I think that neuroscientists have a pretty good idea of why it's the case. Uh, from a number of different angles and and we know that these technologies have an effect on the way the brain works so why why shouldn't it be that and i'm not talking like in a hundred years it could be a thousand years or two thousand years like much longer time horizons that that if these things are packaged together in a very effective and um, useful way that they couldn't be immensely helpful to some state in the future that that could exercise greater range of flexibility because I, I guess i'm thinking from the perspective that they're here why are they here are they you know what's the point of it we could just be like a an animal we could just go around and you know just fucking kill each other and fuck and then reproduce and that's it i just don't see why they're here if that's if they're not adaptive in some way and they're spreading this, this is what i think you see nietzsche, what i mean you see what this I'm is what at? i think nietzsche's concept is uh, one of his concepts is uh uh relevant you know like the i think it's just the nature of things to the creatures that appear in the in nature is to overcome themselves and that's the next part of overcoming that's the you know climbing out of the sea onto the land kind of thing it's just for us it's this overcoming brain issues because i mean most of our problems and human problems are downstream of brain structure if you think about it you know i mean they're like all the early culture wars like a lot of it is just arguing is um people mistaking yeah. words for words for reality you know that's a brain totally thing the brain not working particularly well yeah, yeah. Um, so just quickly on that it, I, I did write an article just on that um so people know what i'm talking about on on that adam gazali book i'm going to mention it again it's fucking brilliant but yeah, so we have, like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, he, he says we have a like a forager brain, effectively. So being distracted is good. Like a, a little bit of distraction, or quite a lot actually, means that you have more chance of finding things to survive. Um, so in a primitive context, you know, the ice cream scoop brain kind of works. But for high executive planning, which is the world that we live in now, it's fucking kryptonite. Um, because you just can't focus on anything and it's energetically expensive to focus uh so yeah it's it's getting yeah and the bad the, some of the so, bad yeah, things like about that. um some of the unhelpful thing you know like the left over use of the left hemisphere and get trapped in words and you know round and round in circles uh those things kind of feed on each other and then that creates a te technologies around it which are more like that uh, so yeah, I mean, all this is coming from brain structure, um, how you use the brains, uh, you know, at any one moment. 
you know, all you have all these lower brains that are getting you to do things. They have far more power over your upper quote human brain than your human brain has over the lower brains. You know, you, uh, it's more complicated than like the lizard mammal human thing, but it's similar. Um, you know, it's like that. And uh, uh, a lot of the arguments people are having are just at the top level, the human level, and the words and things, and and kind of ignoring or forgetting or not or misunderstanding or self-deluding about the what the lower brains are making them do you know people think somebody is morally wrong but actually they just have a physical body feeling of envy towards that person <laughs> you know it's like uh it's easy to get lost in the words so like a lot of things like that i but you said about um you used the word uh you're saying at some point in the future man will be able to overcome this and you know why are these technologies here for you know, let's call them self techniques of self overcoming to stay with Nietzsche um, well you said man I don't think man will do anything I think some men will uh, but most won't like you said earlier about uh, you know you can't even uh, people quote elite or, or marginal or, or different without there being a normal for them to be different or elite from um but uh, why are these things here? I just think that's just in the nature of things to to transcend. You know, I, be I believe, quote, in transcendence. You know, I've had experiences that are transcending of the way I was then. Uh, but there's, then there's more to be transcended. Um, so it's, I think that's just the way it is. Um, there's many reasons I think that. Most based on experiences, on thinking about it. Uh, so like, in that sense, I'm yeah, positive <laughs> about the future long term like that because it'll always keep happening. But I mean, I think now it's just uh, I don't see any reason why it would why it has to continue in a linear way. Uh, mm. You know, yeah. um, but, no, but it will be very messy. Mean. I mean, there's going to be there's technologies coming out that will help people. I mean, I, I was mocking people who believe in like they're going to be, become immortal stuff. But I mean, there obviously is again techniques, technologies that will make people live longer. That's not the same as immortality. It, when you when you listen to people talk, the techno utopians talk about this. Their their just their um, their argument is based on technologies that make you live longer that are coming or approaching or possible. But really, when they're talking about immortality, which is not that, that's a, that's pure fantasy. That's like a total fiction. Immortality means literally living forever and ever and ever. It doesn't mean technologies may let you live a few hundred years. I'm sure that would be possible. It's not the same thing as literally living forever. I just don't believe that. Um, so I think that is a religious belief that they have. So you have to listen to, are they saying immortality or are they just saying longevity? So there's, that's one thing. Mm. Um, overcoming the brain's issues it's going to be really messy because people are going to start experimenting with uh, rewiring things in the brain and stuff physically. Uh, and a lot of it's going to fuck up and fuck people up and stuff like all other experimental technologies. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, but it should, it should be people, you know, choosing to do it, self-experimenting. It won't be, of course, because there'll be governments do it and experimental people that that will be coming if it's not already happening in places. Uh, you know, so there'll be, uh, it's going to be very messy and horrible, all these things appearing, even if they have good results, it's going to be a lot of bad things happening to people in, in the process, you know, like, uh, 
if you think of what's how many lab rats have been used by science, well, it's there's going to be it's going to be people, whether it's like a headset attached to your neurons or whether it's uh, literally like chopping uh, people in underground bunkers and injecting them with stuff and all, you know whatever, uh, making super soldiers is where a lot of it will be experimented on soldiers that are signed off, you know, special forces type of thing, and uh, you just don't hear about the things that don't work um, or do work for a while. Uh, so I think all these technologies and will be uh, unevenly distributed to, to be techno talk. Um, but uh, in the meantime, uh, we just have to get up with what we have and can use ourselves and, and be some of those experimental people. Because if you don't, if you think human, the human brain is a problem, and you think, uh, uh, and you're also a human. So part there's like part of that is kind of, you know, you, there's an element of self-loathing in there. But it's, I mean, it's not really, you're not like self-loathing yourself personally. It's just the way it is. You're seeing the bad side of it. You're kind of skeptical about the the species. And uh, you want to find ways to make it better. But it's only going to be for you and a few people that you can feasibly do this. Otherwise, you just get lost in uh uh, dreams of uh, change the world, change everyone, and uh, makes it less likely that you'll that you'll improve yourself or or, or a few people.